Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Recently, as 48 hours ago, uh, people thought the Toronto Blue Jays were um, in good shape and um, ready to march on to the playoffs, or at least a wild card game. And the only question was going to be, will they be the home team or the visiting team? Um, funny how two days can change things, huh, Shannon? Well, it is. And when you consider that it, one game was against their new arch rival Tampa and the other one was against the Minnesota Twins, um, and they've... Yeah, they haven't put themselves behind the eight ball, but they've certainly not helped themselves by losing those two games. Well, no, and and I don't know that it matters. Well, it doesn't matter in the standings, but of course they got blown out in both of them, giving up 14 runs. But nonetheless, huh. we're going to talk about all this stuff. Uh, our pal Dan Schulman, who is uh, the play-by-play voice of the uh, of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet, will join us. Nine to go. What happens now? Well, that's when we continue after these messages. McCown and Shannon back with you, and Dan Schulman, uh, the um, voice of the Toronto Blue Jays on television, joins us. Well, we've uh, the three of us have been down this road uh, an awful lot. We talk about it regularly on this program. Don't get too excited when things are going great, and don't get too depressed when things aren't going great. But um, this is exactly the kind of thing that happens all the time in in baseball more than any other sport. A team gets on a run and you think they're inevitably going to be successful. And then, um, you know, a couple of blips and people f- get thrown into complete and total panic mode. Yeah. And, and that's literally what has happened with this franchise. And yet, Danny, there are some concerns health-wise right now that you would hope um, you wouldn't have to face. What do you know about, if anything, about Gurriel and Hatch specifically? Well, as we speak, not much. I mean, Hatch was a hamstring injury. I can't imagine he's going to be available for the next few days. So they got to take the roster spot and give it to somebody else, especially because I would assume Ryan Barucki gives up the appeal and starts serving the suspension tonight, Friday night. So they're a man down there. Uh, The Gurriel one, you know, it's really interesting um, the good news is no, you know, the x-rays were negative. He did have a couple of stitches, but the amount of time it took him to gather himself and stand up and walk off the field. And he had the hand wrapped makes you a little worried uh, about the situation. And obviously he's been as good a hitter as they've had over the last couple of months, Vladimir Guerrero jr. Included. So if Goriel is out, then Gritchick and Dickerson and others have to step up and, and, and you're right, this sport, it's almost like baseball looks at somebody and says, Oh, you think you got me figured out to you? Not so fast. And, and uh, I, you know, I, I try never to mess with the baseball gods. I believe in them. Uh, it's still all right in front of them, right? If they play well against the Yankees, they're going to do fine. The Yankees are playing the Red Sox this week. So if they play well against the twins, they should make up ground on somebody, but this is going to be nine exhilarating, but also agonizing days for blue Jays fans. Well, the other part of this equation is there's invariably, and in the media too, I'm not excluding, uh, well, I'm excluding us because I think we're smarter than than most of the rest of the people in this stupid business. But (laughs) having said that, um, you know, you're playing the Minnesota Twins. Mm -hmm. So what? You know, this notion, you know, when this streak of success started, all this conversation was, well, you got all these games against the Twins and they suck. And you got all these games against the Orioles and they suck. Nothing is for sure. And, um, and, and the twins essentially are proving that, you know, four games against the twins in the last week, eight days, they've split. This is not what normal people expect to have happen. And yet, if you've been around this game for any length of time, you know, this is as often as not exactly what does happen. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, baseball, uh, the best team still loses a third of its games. The worst team still wins a third of its games. It's the other third that decide if you're terrible or great or somewhere in between. And yes, the Orioles are bad. And yes, the twins aren't great, but to, the twins aren't the Orioles. Like the twins are, they're much better. Oh, than yeah. the Orioles. All you have to do is look at the top five or six hitters in their lineup. Um, and you can see it and their bullpen has been good and their starting pitching is okay. I mean, they're not great, but they are not terrible. Uh, and, um, they have played the Blue Jays tough. And even the Orioles took three out of six from the Yankees over the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, this kind of stuff happens. But, you know, that having been said, if you're not good enough to win two of the next three from the Twins, if you're not good enough to take two out of three from the Yankees, and if you're not good enough to then do whatever you have to do against the Orioles to get in, then you're not good enough, right? Like at the end of the day, you got to win some of these games and, and you're not going to get back the ugly losses to Washington or Seattle or Detroit that happened during that stretch, whenever it was July, maybe early August. So uh, again, they, in my mind, they still control, even though they're a game out, it feels to me like they still control um, their own fate because if they play well against the Yankees, they're going to be fine. But, you know, you're one back with nine to go. You don't want to be two back with six to go going into the Yankee series where now you really you got to sweep. You, you, I think you got to put yourself in a situation where two out of three against the Yankees is good enough to put you in the driver's seat. You know, um, Vlad Guerrero has certainly pulled his weight of late, but can we say the same thing about George Springer? No, and, and what we don't know, John, obviously, is how much is the knee impacting him. So right. the good news is the brace is gone, and he looks mm -hmm. like he's running fine, but he's not hitting. And uh, I don't know if he's still favoring the knee, and if he just took the brace off, maybe it's a bit of mind over matter kind of thing where he's trying to talk him into uh, talk himself into the fact that he's okay. Um, but no, he is, I mean, he's nowhere near the George Springer that we saw for stretches this year and that the Astros saw. And, and so if Springer is struggling and Guriel is hurt, you're really kind of down to the two, three, four, five guys in the lineup right now in terms of guys you can count on. Simeon, Guerrero, Bichette, Teoscar Hernandez. Um, so all of us, you know, the lineup a couple of weeks ago was a holy cow, look how deep this lineup is. Guriel is hitting yeah. seventh. Uh, but now they, whether it's Kirk, whether it's Gritchick, whether it's Springer, whether it's Dickerson, whether it's Espinal, if he shows up at some point soon, they need more. Um, you know, the lineup looks thinner right now than it did the last couple of weeks. Well, one of the things that, you know, I've thought a fair bit about and, and for some period of time is how would this team, which is essentially very young and very inexperienced, how will they react to this pennant stretch? Mm -hmm. Because this is different. This is not something that these guys really have been through. Last year was, you know, an asterisk. Uh, and I think we all know that experience does matter in, in these kinds of situations. At the same time, we look in the dugout, we see these, this happy-go-lucky group who don't seem to let anything bother them. They're always chatting. They're always laughing and joking and, and goofing around. And it, it, it implies that they're not feeling the pressure. But if they haven't felt the pressure, they're going to feel it over these nine games, Danny. Yeah. So all three of us remember 1987 very well. Mm -hmm. None of us remember what happened the second last week of 1987. We but remember we the Tiger remember series. Exactly, right. But That's we all we remember, remember exactly what happened the last week or the last 10 days uh, of 1987. The, yeah, the pressure is going to go up day by day by day. And you're right. Last year, I agree with you, was an asterisk. Firstly, 60 is different than 162. Mm -hmm. Secondly, there were zero expectations, in my opinion, on the team last year. And third, and maybe most importantly, 18, you can't say this enough. Eight teams got in last year. Only five are getting in this year. If eight were getting in this year, we'd be having a much different conversation right now. Oh, yeah. But uh, now it's back to normal, at least for this year, That and only five get in. Last year, they would have had to have lost like their last 10 games in a row to miss out on the playoffs, and that, and that wasn't going to happen. This year is a legitimate pennant race, playoff race, whatever you want to call it. I haven't seen signs of um, – uh, of the pressure getting to them. You know, it's interesting last night, Thursday night, the first game against Minnesota, Vladdy was a little bit frustrated. You saw it on a couple of at bats. I don't know if you guys were watching when we had a shot, he went down the stairs towards the clubhouse with three bats. He switched bats in the middle of the game as if to try to change his luck. And that's fine. Baseball players are superstitious. They do that kind of thing. 
I, but I don't see really signs of Laddie feeling pressure, of Bo Bichette feeling pressure. You know, in their own way, even guys like Guriel and Teoscar Hernandez are still kind of young and not that experienced. They look fine. Romano looks fine to me. Manoa, for the you know, almost all the time looks fine. So I think the young guys are doing okay. What I think is happening is it's a bit of a top-heavy roster. You know, four or five hitters, three starting pitchers, top-end relievers. Uh, to me, it's kind of the bottom half of the roster. They, they need more. They need more relievers in the circle of trust. They need guys at the bottom of the order who can hit. They need, and they they were getting a lot out of Steven Matz until last night, but they need the four or five spots in the rotation just to be okay and keep them in the game. But it's not like Tampa Bay where maybe the top end of the Blue Jay roster is definitely better than the top end of the Tampa Bay roster, but the bottom end of the Tampa Bay roster is better than just about anybody's other than the Dodgers. And, you, you know, you never know who your hero is going to be, but, you know, the hero might have to be Bravik Valera. It might have to be mm-hmm. Nate Pearson. It might have to be Danny Jansen. We don't know, but a couple of guys are going to have to step up in big moments. You touched about the starters. Um, any concern that when Ryu comes back, he's not a hundred percent or is this just purely precautionary? No, I, well, the, I'll answer the second question first. We don't know. <laughs> was, was, was this a neck thing or was this a reset? Um, and I don't know the answer to that. And, and I don't know which is preferable to be honest mm-hmm. with you, but obviously something had to happen. So the way I look at it is, um, barring injuries, Jose Barrios, who's going to pitch tonight, Friday night, is locked into the Wednesday game, the second game of the Yankee series. Robbie Ray, who's going to pitch tomorrow, Saturday, is locked into Thursday, the third game of the Yankee series. And then that lines them up for Monday, Tuesday, which would be a 163 in a wild card game. Perfect. Great. Don't touch that. The issue is who starts the first game of the Yankee series on Tuesday. Is it, do you bring Hyunjin Ryu off the IL and throw him against the Yankees? If Steven Matz had gone seven in or six innings and given up one run last night, I would have said slam dunk, Steven Matz. But now with Steven Matz, what do you do? Well, Thomas Hatch came up and he was going to give you innings in long relief. Well, now he's hurt his hamstring. What's going to happen there? So I, I really, you know, Ross Stripling got hit hard his last time mm-hmm. out. I suspect it's going to be some corner, some sort of hodgepodge bullpen game. And literally, could that mean... Ryu for two, once through the order. Stripling for two, once through the order. Mats for two, once through the order. And then see where you're at. And if it's not good, you punt on Tuesday and you go all in with Barrios and Ray Wednesday, Thursday. Dangerous strategy because Garrett Cole's pitching Wednesday. So imagine losing Tuesday in a bullpen game. Imagine losing to Garrett Cole Wednesday. And now you're three out with four to go. And uh-oh. So now a lot can happen in between now and then. They could be two, three games up. We don't know. But they've got some things to figure out about Tuesday. That's for sure. Well, and we do know Cole was uh, rocked in his last start. So, um, but that shouldn't give you any level of comfort. Um, He's, he's very good. And um, you, you can't expect that to happen. Stripling becomes the interesting case. There have been moments, as you know, this year where he has been surprisingly good, surprisingly competent and surprisingly reliable. Mm -hmm. Um, Got hurt out for a while maybe this just rust that hit him in his last outing maybe it was nothing more than that the question is do you take a chance on that would you I don't know that I would take a chance on anybody for five or six innings I I think I would go into the game and say you and you and you and you got to be available at Mm -hmm. any point in this game and if one of the U's is Ryu, is Hyunjin Ryu, I don't see them bringing Ryu out of the bullpen. You know, he's never done it. No. Um, and, and I'm sure you guys would probably agree. Like, could you ever imagine turning on the game and hearing me say, with two outs in the second, Ryu's getting up in the bullpen? It just doesn't feel like something he would do. So if he's in play, it feels to me Ryu would start the game. And they would go with him as long as they could and have a very quick hook. And then that stripling would be the next guy. And you're right. Stripling's good has been great. I mean, he was really great for weeks and weeks on. Oh yes, he was right. But the, the ceiling is high, but the floor is pretty low. He's gotten Mm -hmm. hit when he's gotten hit, he's gotten hit very hard. And, and that, that the same is with Ryu. You know, it's funny about Ryu, his last eight starts, four of them, ugly numbers. One of the others, he had a no hitter into the sixth. One of the others against the Yankees, he went six scoreless innings and had the best velocity he's had all season. That was only three starts ago. 
So I think if Ryu's in play, Ryu starts. And then they, Johnny Holstaff it from there. They could go to Stripling, then back to Mats, then to Pearson. But we have to remember there are games Friday, Saturday, Sunday too, right? So if Barrios is Wednesday and if Ray is Thursday, Manoa is Friday, you got to think, you know, how much do you think about Saturday, Sunday on Tuesday? And some people would say, how much should you even think about Tuesday on Friday? Like we're doing right now, but we know what they've got going the next three days. But I'm fascinated. Like, this is the kind of stuff that fascinates me. Like, I'd love well, to be all of us. on the wall. Yeah, yeah. I'd if love you're a to big... be in there and, and hear these conversations. But this could go a dozen different ways, and, and none of them are ideal right now. Well, and the and Ryu's case, and you alluded to this earlier, the, the thing that's really intriguing here that we don't know the answer to is, is he hurt? Or is this um, a fake injury to give him rest? This is a, this is a pitcher who has had very few years where he hasn't, broken down in some way had some kind of injury mm-hmm. he is a guy who historically would probably like to pitch every sixth or seventh day mm-hmm. not every fifth and he has been pretty consistently reliable this year and i haven't looked at his innings pitch by relation to previous years but there's a big part of me that wonders danny if he's just not tired and they yeah. recognize that and said okay let's give you a week and a bit off and hopefully he bounces back right away. And that fastball is at 93 again instead of 89, right? Yep. And I think that's very possible. If I had to bet something that I really value on, was the neck an issue or is this just a bit of a rest and reset kind of thing? I think I would go rest and reset. And yeah. if I'm not mistaken, I don't remember if it was Charles, I think it was Ross Atkins who said he woke up the day after the start with discomfort in his neck. I don't think they said he had it during the start. I'm guessing it's a reset. He has often benefited in the past from 10 days off, skip a start here and there. So I I don't think it's the craziest thing that he factors in Tuesday and maybe is the starting pitcher. But remember the playoff game last year, Matt Shoemaker once threw the order three, then Robbie Ray came in and did that. Like this, this is this thing. These things happen, right? This is the way that teams attack other teams when they don't believe they've got a guy um, who can get deep into the game. So I, I, I think it's possible. The standings will dictate it as well. You know, beating the Twins is great. Beating the Orioles is great. Beating the Yankees is even more important, uh, you know, to borrow a hockey term. The, 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 those are the four-point games, right? You win, they lose. And, and mm-hmm. um, if, if they do well against the Yankees, they make their lives immensely easier against the Orioles. If they do poorly against the Yankees, they may not be able to make up the ground against the Orioles. So, Uh, They've got to think of, and obviously they are thinking about it very carefully, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a combination of of three or four multi-inning pitchers in that game on Tuesday. Dan, do you think they run the risk worrying too much about uh, the wildcard games and the play-in games as at this point? Uh, Because when, when you think about it, it's, it is nine or 10 days away. Yeah. Um, And, but you got to get there first. You got to get there first. So with Robbie Ray, what they did is they kept him on every fifth day, even when they had the off day last week. And when they have the off day next week, they're skipping. Well, the first time they moved Manoa back and then they'll skip somebody with the off day this Monday. So they actually moved Ray up. If you know what I mean, by keeping him on every fifth day, if they had just gone five starters, Ray wouldn't have been in the Yankee series and he would have started Friday or Saturday against Baltimore. So I I think they did the right thing. They made sure that Jose Barrios and Robbie Ray, it's not only the 163 and the wild card game, John, they got him in the Yankee series. And that's exactly the right thing to do. So I I think they, they planned this out well, but again, baseball says, Oh, so you think you got a good plan, huh? Well, let me, let me give you a little. And that's what baseball does. And it's done it to the Yankees and and the Red Sox and, and everybody else. Like imagine if we were talking about the Red Sox and, you know, doing a podcast three weeks ago when we were talking about 11 guys on the COVID IL 11. And you know what? They did okay. They won more than they lost with 11 of their 26 players or 28 in September uh, on the COVID IL. So I I think they're doing the right thing, John, because they have prioritized Ray and Barrios the most and the Yankee series the most. Um, Now, let's say they get to the last Sunday of the regular season. Could they throw Barrios on short rest because the other options are Ryu and Mats? You know, if a win gets you in, sure, they could do that. But that's a decision they could make next Saturday night. I think... I think getting those guys in the Yankee series is at least as important as getting them set up for a a 163 or a wildcard game. All right. I raised this question 
I, I, I'd like to think I'm smarter than to even ask this question, but because it's out there, um, do you think that the umpiring has been squeezing the Blue Jay pitchers the last while? Not by design, but uh, yes. So there's this uh, great Twitter feed. I think it's called Umpire Scorecard or something like that. And I don't go to it daily, but I, I follow it. So it shows up on my feed. And if I have a reason to go to it, I go to it. And the first two games um, of the Rays series uh, were extremely one-sided. Now, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I don't think anybody at Fox has called MLB or the umpires and said, keep the Blue Jays out of the playoffs. I just think the Blue Jays were the victims here of, of some of some really bad calls from Ron Culpin and then from Joe West. And, and this umpire scorecard Twitter feed, it does it by run expectancy. So blowing a call with nobody on base is different than blowing a call with the bases loaded because it, it, if uh, if you decrease your chances of getting a hit with the bases loaded, that costs you more than with nobody on base. Of course. And it was significant um, in terms of run expectancy, um, what happened to the Blue Jays. Now, they did win one of those games. They won the Joe West game, but they lost the Ron Culpa game. That's the game where it looked like Valera had walked with the bases loaded in the, in the ninth inning. That would have made it six to five. He took strike two, and then he took strike three to end the game. Um, so... Those are the two games that jump out at me. Last night's game against Minnesota, I don't, I, and I haven't looked at the the umpire scorecard, but I didn't feel anything last night, and I didn't feel no, I didn't either Sunday either. It was just, uh, or, or I'm sorry, uh, I'm losing my days. Wednesday either. The first two mm -hmm. games of the Rays series, though, absolutely, it happened. Well, and and it raises this question in my mind, and I think I'm I'm kind of like you. I'm reluctant to to raise the, you know, conspiracy cons theory. Conspiracy <laughs> theory here. But here's what I believe. I believe that um, deliberately or otherwise, it is not unrealistic for an umpire to have a, an opinion of the quality of, of two teams before he starts. The Tampa Bay Rays have been a good, even great team for a number of years. And the Toronto Blue Jays have not been. Last year, asterisk, whatever. This year, a bunch of young guys. I think there's a possibility that subliminally um, this kind of thing does happen. That, yeah. you, like you, we have expectations. We have expectations of each individual in baseball when they come to the plate. But guys hitting 220 um, and got a lot of strikeouts, you know. Is is he likely to get right. the, the nod on a yeah. on a pitch that's an inch or two inside? No. Yeah, yeah the reputation. The reputation. Reputation right. so, does matter, right? Yeah, but I I believe Laddie has benefited from that a little bit, and 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 you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking about some of the recent calls, and a couple of Marcus Simeon calls came to mind. You know, Marcus Simeon doesn't bark; he doesn't argue very much, but he, by his standards, he barked a little bit the last couple of days, and that's again, that's not a lot of barking. But there were a couple of pitch, a couple of called strike threes on Marcus Simeon, and, and he certainly, you would think, has earned the the benefit of the doubt in, in terms of reputation. But I, I I hear what you're saying. I just think it's umpires missing calls. I, I think it's guys are throwing harder than ever before. The ball is moving more than ever before. Um, I'm not excusing them, but I think it's a really hard job. And if you can tell me that the technology works impeccably to call balls and strikes uh, electronically, sign me up. I'd like well, I was going to ask you that very question. Yeah, let's get it right. And, and five, 10 years ago, I would have said no, keep the human element in the game. But, um, you know, you can't have it, it's one thing, you know, if the ball is touching the edge or a little bit off. But if it's we're talking about if you could fit another baseball or a baseball and a half between the outside corner and where the ball is, it's it's just too important. And and you know, the funny thing is it's analytics again, because the analytics departments can say to you, do you know the difference between a two and one pitch and a one and two pitch in terms of what the hitter is likely to do in that at bat? And it's significant. And that's why catchers are working on framing more than blocking, because letting a ball go through your legs and giving up 90 feet to a base runner is considered less of a sin than poorly framing a pitch and it going to two and one instead of one and two. Analytics has changed every single aspect uh, of baseball, including balls and strikes. But uh, it's unfortunate. I remember one in 2015, wasn't it Ben Revere at the plate in the last game in a game six against Kansas, yes. who I think had a pitch called yeah. on him that was way outside. And, and 
um, you know, you, you just hope it evens out um, and that it doesn't come down to one specific call in the ninth inning of a close game. Well, I must tell you, I, I, would, I agree 100% with you. Ten years ago, I would have said, not a chance. And you know what's changed my mind? Is instant replay on the bases. Um, because there are many times, I have to confess, I'm sitting in front of my television set, and I'm, I'm sure that the guy was safe or mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. And then the replay happens, and it's the other way around. Yep. And if, if we can be that inaccurate, and if replay can show... Um, that the eye doesn't necessarily see what the brain thinks it sees or the right. other way around, then balls and strikes is, it, it's just, it's the same thing, but to uh, the nth degree. Absolutely. Well, because well, you're going to have 200 pitches, 300 pitches in a game. Right. Well, uh, imagine if Shannon's catching and you're standing behind him as the umpire. I can't and even so imagine that. <laughs> I, could, I wouldn't catch I wouldn't catch one ball, Danny. No, he him. deliberately let it go by. Okay, That's so we'll, right. we'll use a we'll use a tennis ball. We'll get him a nice, comfy beanbag chair so his back doesn't hurt. We'll set him up nice. So you are, you know, hands on your knees, leaning over the left shoulder or the right shoulder of Shannon, and a ball comes in inside or outside to me those are the easier ones should be the easier ones for the umpire to see because you've got the outside part of the plate and the inside part of the plate i don't know how in the world they call high and low i honestly have no idea like again picture what you would see i've never i never umpired a day in my life not even literally game nothing but imagine what you would see crouching or leaning over the back of a catcher and you try to tell me how you know if it was at the knees or two inches below the knees there is no way in the world you can do that with a hundred percent certainty and um it it's too important not to get it right now now again if, if you do it electronically is it a strike if it goes over the plate at the front of the plate the back of the plate anywhere in a three-dimensional you know cone to the sky above the plate they got to figure this stuff out uh, but I'm pretty sure, given everything else that they tell us with StatCast and all that, it can be figured out. And I, I, I think it's got to go in that direction. Well, and you got to understand that the strike zone for Alejandro Kirk is different than Aaron Judge. Yeah, Aaron Judge or Stanton. That's yep. right. I mean, so you got to be able to hit that button and have the basically the the cube, because yep. it's got to be a cube. It's got to be a cube. Uh, with, uh, to... Uh, uh, to change. And that's, we're, a, I think we're a ways away from that. I really do, but we'll see. I, I, I do too. And everybody's got to sign off on who it is, who is setting that up because otherwise you're saying, well, they're favoring the Yankees or they're favoring this. And, and, and yeah. so, but you know, at the end of the day or the end of the season or the end of anything, you, you know, let's hope it's not about umpiring. Let's hope that the, the teams that deserve to get in, get in and, you know, getting back to the Jays for a sec, you look at the talent on the team, and mm -hmm. they'll probably have guys finish second and third in MVP. They'll have a guy finish first or second in Cy Young. They'll have a guy in Manoa who will get some rookie of the year votes. And that, and, and we haven't even touched Teoscar Hernandez or Bo Bichette in any of those conversations. Like they're, ha and they're having guys having extraordinary years. Uh, the first team to do this, the first team to do that, that should be good enough to get you into the playoffs. But at the end of the, you know, they lost a lot of winnable games early. They've won some losable games, if that's a word, uh, recently. They pulled a couple out recently. But but again, nine left, one back. You know, go take two out of three in every – well, they've already lost first Minnesota. But take two out of three against Minnesota the rest of the mm -hmm. way, two out of three against the Yankees, two out of three against the Orioles. You're going to get in. Well, for the longest time, let's face it, we would look at the standings and you'd say, thank goodness they play National League teams. Yeah. I mean, the, the, that kept the, in the first half of the season that kept them in the in the race to some yes. extent, didn't it? Yes, I think they finished fifteen and four. Whatever they finished, they they although the two losses to Washington right at the end really hurt, hurt them. But they did, yeah, they did pro play great against um, National League teams. There were just you know there was the the two stretches. The second stretch was kind of that Seattle, Detroit, Washington, and in, in, in that, you, you remember that they didn't hit at all, right? They, that right. was the zero for a million runners in scoring position stretch. The earlier stretch was the bullpen in kind of late May and into June when Chatwood and Golis, and you guys remember that. I mean, there was blow up after blow up. And uh, I, I will say this, um, you know, people get on the front office for a lot of things, um, but if they don't get Simber and Richards when they did, and I only know when it was because I looked it up a couple of days ago, I think Simber was first. He was June 29th. Richards was July 6th. 
Um, you know, that's not July 31st. If they had waited until the deadline, we're not they're four, five, six games out of a playoff spot right now. Oh, that's yeah, how I'll bad the bullpen was. Yeah, Danny, I'll concede that. But the truth of the matter is, it was bleeping obvious oh, yeah. that they had to do something. Oh, yeah. They, uh, I mean, the, the Titanic had hit the iceberg. Yeah, they need, they Their were. bullpen was horrific. Yes. And, and still, um, it is better now, but it is not elite. No, uh, not. Romano is very good. Meza is very good. And Simber and Richards have been, but you've got four guys you can really count on. But one thing I was thinking about last night, driving home from the game, you know, back at the beginning of the season, all of us hoped, we didn't know, but we hoped, well, what if, what might Nate Pearson be? What might Thomas Hatch be? What might Julian Merriweather be? And, you know, if Ryan Barucki has a good year and none of those have panned out, none of them between well, and other factors. You know, Merriweather's the guy who jumps out to me because he got off to a great start at the beginning of the year, gets hurt right away. And immediately, and understandably our expectations are blown right out of proportion and when is Merriweather coming back may he like like he was going to be the answer there yeah. was no historical data to suggest that he was going to be that guy no. there was one like one game two games <laughs> and yeah. and he comes back analyzing stuff yeah incredible stuff but in a very small sample size and, and we've also forgotten enough. and we've also forgotten that they played you know home games in three different places and we've forgotten about Dunedin and we've forgotten about Buffalo already well, yeah yeah, we have and, and I will it. tell you, there are many within the organization and nobody wants to say it publicly because the, the cities of Dunedin and Buffalo and not to mention uh, Blue Jay employees in both cities did a, an, an incredible job making sure things the best they could be. Mm -hmm. But there are people within the organization who say, quote, if we'd been home the whole season, we'd be home and, you know, we'd be in. And, and uh, I think there's something to that. But what are you going to do? You play the hands you're dealt. And, and again, they go win games, go win six of the last nine and, uh, and everything's going to be fine. Uh, with Dan Schulman, we'll take a quick break and come back and chat some more. Um, and some analysis um, in advance of a decision on this year, but relative to what happens over the next nine games, we'll address that when we continue after this message. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. It's McCowan, it's Shannon, it's uh, Dan Schulman of uh, Sportsnet uh, and the Blue Jays. So let me throw this at you. Over the next nine days, all kinds of different things can happen. This Blue Jay team could lose nine in a row and be an afterthought in the final week of the season. Um, might not even come close to, um, you know, a playoff spot. They could win nine in a row and get home field advantage in the wild card game. But more than likely, it'll be something in between. But what do you do at the end of the season? Um, based upon how these nine games go, because I believe there's a difference between making the postseason, even if you squeak in in the last day and you play on the road, and then you get beat in the wild card game. That's probably different than not making the playoffs in terms of the future. Do you buy into that? Uh, I don't think so, actually. I, I think so. I always thought, and I may be in the minority here, I thought this year, yeah, it would be great to contend and it would be disappointing if they didn't make it. But I still thought this year was still a bit of a, a learning year, a developmental year for, for the organization as a whole. So I'll, I'll ramble for a little bit here. So you go back six months. We didn't know Vladdy would be this, right? We had no idea. Not a chance. You go back six months and you say, boy, Tay Oscar won a silver slugger. Let's see him do it over 162. And he has. Uh, you, and he has, right? And so we didn't know what Robbie Ray would be. And Marcus Simeon was coming off, granted a, a season with injury, but nobody expected this. So there, I, th I still think there were lots of questions. And even things like, can Merriweather do it? What is Pearson going to be? What is Baraki going to be? Like, I thought there were a dozen guys on this team where there was still an element of, are they part of the future or not? Are they this mm -hmm. or are they that? I think the front office has an, a, a, a significantly better idea of what they have and what they need now than 12 months ago. And whether they finish a game out 
or win the World Series, I don't know that it changes all that much. Now, maybe if they go on a deep playoff run, it does. But um, I think you go after Simeon and Ray if you can, and I hope they do. You've got to shore up the bullpen with, in, in my opinion, some more sure things. And I know there are no sure things in a bullpen. Uh, and I know guys get hurt and track record changes from year to year more with relievers than anybody else. But there were so many health risks in the bullpen, in the original bullpen that was put together. I think you got to go out and get a couple more guys. They don't have to be studs. You know, Richards and, and Simber, they're good. They didn't come in with, you know, all-stars, uh, all-star seasons. And, and look how good they've been. So just a couple more sure things. And I think you need to change the composition of the lineup to a certain extent. How? Uh, how? How? Uh, uh, I believe you need a significant left-handed batter or switch hitter, doesn't matter, who can hit in the top four um, in, in the lineup. I think there are too many guys who are too similar so that if a certain type of pitcher is on his game, that this team can be shut down too easily sometimes. So um, now, Vladdy is patient, but if you look at Guriel, and Grichik, and even Teoscar at times, uh, Bo Bichette, you've got a lot of similar guys, right-handed batters, free swingers. I think there's somebody, I think something has to change. It doesn't have to be three or four guys. You know, in when Biggio's been good, he's been important in my mind because he presents a very different look for the pitcher and a very different style of hitter. He runs up your pitch count and he gets on base. And I'm hoping that this is just a lost year for Biggio and that he can still be a part of this. Maybe not 600 at bats, maybe not an everyday anything, second base, third base, whatever. But, you know, a guy who plays in good situations against righties four or five days a week, right field, third base, second base, whatever. Um, I think he helps. But they came into the year with Biggio and Rowdy Telez as their two left-handed batters. One's in Buffalo and one's in Milwaukee. Uh, hmm. Last night, they started eight right-handed batters and a switch hitter in Bravik Valera. I just think it's too lopsided. I think if a, a righty with a with a good slider gets in a groove, it's tough. The reason uh, the Blue Jays have struggled late and close, close and late in games is because generally speaking, you're going to get a hard-throwing right-handed reliever with a good slider. And that kind of pitcher, in my mind, if he's on his game, can be difficult for the Blue Jays. So do they go out and trade for Jose Ramirez of Cleveland? He'd be awesome. Put him at third base, hit him second, switch hitter, a grinder. He can also play second base. I believe somebody, it depends on if Simeon comes back, but even if they get Simeon back, I think somebody's getting traded off this team, uh, whether it's Guriel or guaranteed. Guriel and Grichik. Pardon me? Uh, it's guaranteed, I think. Yeah, yeah. Guriel and Grichik are the two that I look at. Now, one I think has, uh, for a, because of age, contract, and production, Guriel's got more value than Grichik. Grichik, it's not so much what you're getting for Grichik, it's that you're freeing up the at-bats to go get somebody else to take those mm -hmm. at-bats. But, um, uh, you know, they're not changing first base or shortstop, obviously. They've got Springer. Uh, they've got Teoscar Hernandez. But I I think this is going to be a busy offseason, and I think they need to change the composition of the lineup to a certain extent to truly get the most out of it. <laughs> Two of your best players are going to be free agents at the end of this year. Mm -hmm. um, Semyon and Ray. The consensus seems to be the Blue Jays will try and sign one of the two, but won't feel like they can afford to sign both of them. If you asked any hundred Blue Jay fans, they would say, you got to keep both. And I tend to agree, but it may not be possible. If you are faced with the, that dilemma, <laughs> which of those two are you signing? So you're not going to like my answer. Um, on the one hand, if you lose Robbie Ray, who in the hell are you going to replace him with? Right? Who's going to? You've got concerns about Hyunjin Ryu, mm -hmm. right? And, and and I don't think today's the time to talk about Ryu in 2022. There's time for that. But if you lose Ray, you've got Barrios, Manoa, Ryu as locks in your rotation. 
you know, if Nate Pearson had become or would become what everybody hopes he would have become, that really helps, but they're not there yet. And who knows if they'll get there. So on the one hand, it's if you don't get Ray, what what are you going to do? Because if you don't get Simeon, there are there. I mean, maybe not as good, but you can go out and find a second baseman or a third baseman and get some value. I think it's easier to get that guy as a free agent. Pitchers don't want to come to the American League East. You really got to overpay like crazy. Ray knows it in Toronto. He likes it. He's had success. So on the one hand, if you don't get Ray, what are you going to do? But Simeon's probably the safer bet to maintain or come close to maintaining his production over the next few years, I believe. And maybe that's not fair to Robbie Ray. That might just be position player bias. It's got Wait a second. To- you have completely but, but confused the- me. I thought you were making the case that you got to keep Ray. Are you now suggesting no? You got to keep saying that's why I said you're not going to like my answer because yeah. I'm straddling the fence here. Well, here, here's oh, okay. the here's oh. the other thing to consider is, you know, these guys came here for one year, and they came they came here for one year to prove to the rest of Major League Baseball that they can play their position really well. Correct. They it was a may marriage, not marriage want of convenience. Yeah, that's right. They may not want to stay here. Yes. You know, um, Simeon may want to go back to Northern California. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, was, and, and, yeah. and, and this is, I mean, this is, I, I, I'm going to mix my sports up, but this is the Kawhi rule. You know, no matter what happens in yeah. Toronto, they may want to go away. Yep. If Marcus Simeon wants to go to the West Coast or if Marcus Simeon wants to play shortstop, then Marcus Simeon is gone. Then he's not coming back. Um, I think there's probably a better chance they keep Ray, to be honest with you. But that's why I said I, you weren't going to like my answer, Bob, because I was, I was on both sides. I think. No, I, I think I'm look at it. It's a fair answer. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I know what I want. I want both of them. Yes, stay. I want both of them, too. And I look at, you know, Tanner Roark made 12 this year. I think Troy Tulowitzki made four this year as part of a buyout. Um, Kirby Yates made five and a half. Shun Yamaguchi made three. But we have to remember, too, Vladdy's hitting arbitration. That's a big-time raise. Teoscar's arbitration. That's a big-time raise. There, you yeah, know, there's, It's going up, and it's only going to keep going up. I think they've got enough money to sign both. And what I want to believe is even if they don't get either one of them, they're going to spend that money somewhere. Uh, but again, if you don't get Ray, you know, you know, there, there are some great free agent starting pitchers. They're all 36, 37 years of it. Like is Clayton Kershaw coming to Toronto? Was Max Scherzer coming to Toronto? I don't, I don't see that. Right. No, so, um, but it's hard for the blue Jays to sign pitching. And a lot of pitchers do not want to come to the American league East. And you know what? How can you blame them? Like, look at pitching in Fenway, pitching in the Yankee, pitching against those teams. So I think you go all in on both. And maybe uh, if you get the first one, you've spent too much money, then you withdraw the offer to, to the second one. But I, I think you go all in on both. It, it's to me the contending, you know, as I said a little bit earlier, I thought this year was kind of half development, half contending. Come this winter, I think that contending window has to be wide open. Because now, before too long, we're going to start talking about when's Vladdy a free agent? When's Bo a free mm-hmm. agent? And, and it's after 2025. You've got four more years. Blow that window wide open. Do what you got to do and, and see if you can get a championship to Toronto. So Simeon's at $18 million. Would you give him 25? How many years? Three? Yes. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Yeah, he'll uh, get more. He'll get he'll get more term than that. Somewhere I think else. he will, too. I think he'll get five. I, I, mm-hmm. I really do. Would and there give, are other guys out 25 for five. Whoo. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my money, although I guess indirectly it is. Well, no, but, but it, you know, I've done some math here, Danny, and I yeah. think you probably have, too. Yeah, there's a real chance this team is in the over two hundred million dollars. And there's maybe even a chance. And this sounds ridiculous, but maybe a chance. They're pushing three hundred million. Whoa! In payroll. Uh, okay, I'm gonna. What's I'm Vladdy gonna, gonna get? Uh, well, it's arbitration, right? So Vladdy. Vladdy yeah, but two will, years from now, three years from now, if he's still Vladdy, he's getting forty. Twenty-five. Twenty. Uh, I think he's getting twenty-five to thirty. I, I don't know. Maybe oh, more. You got guys out there making thirty now, and they don't have Vladdy type numbers. Yeah. Um. I don't know that he gets. Uh, so Tatis. Got 14,340. So that's about 26 per year because 
those first three, four years are arbitration years where you're not going right. to get 30, right? So if, if you sign Vladdy tomorrow, you're going to get him for 10, 15, 20, 25, the first four years, then it goes. All right, up. I'll give you, you that. I mean? Yeah, so, I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> if Vladdy takes it. Right. See, I, I don't know about you guys. I don't, I don't use any energy, and I mean zero energy, thinking about Bo and Vladdy signing long-term deals. I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. I kind of doubt it's going to happen. And, and I just worry about the window through 2025. The, the other thing I wonder, we talked about Ryu and we talked about Grichik. They both come off the books after 23. So could you go to Robbie Ray and say, we'll give you four years and 108. I'm just making up numbers. Okay. But it's going to be 22-22, 32-32. Because now you backload the contract right. a little bit for when Ryu and Grichik are gone. The, these... You know, you guys both know this, that those things happen. Um, but I, I think they are in it to win it in the next few years. And the fact that they signed Ryu before this team was any good should show people that they gave Ryu a fourth year when nobody else would. And that's great. You got him, but you got to, you know, but the, you got to pay the debt. You got to pay the collection, the collector on that mm -hmm. into in 2023. We hope Ryu will be a really good starter in 2023. But if you're paying him 20 million and he's your fifth starter, if you've got a Tanner Roark situation, like they're paying Tanner Roark $12 million this year. Uh, you know, it's not an endless supply of money. So some of this is luck and a lot of it, it you, you know, luck in terms of a guy being as good as you want him to be. But a lot of it is developing from within so that you've got guys like Alec Manoa making peanuts so you can spend your money somewhere else. That's right. Well, and Alex Manoa won't make peanuts for the rest of his career either. No, so. but he will make peanuts for 22 and 23. He'll hit arbitration right. um, after 23. But Vladdy's hitting it this year. Teoscar's already in it. And Bo Bichette hits arbitration uh, next, next year. year. So it, if, if it's me, I go all in for both. Um, but it's not like the Blue Jays are going to get Simeon with the second best offer. You know, we all know that, right? It's there. there May, would Robbie Ray give a bit of a hometown discount because he loves Pete Walker and look at what they've done for his maybe. And he lives in Michigan and he's spoken about the, you know, the proximity of Michigan to, to Toronto. I think they've got a better chance of signing Robbie Ray. I, I don't disagree at all. And if San Francisco wants Semyon, which has been suggested. Yeah. Um, I think you can pretty much forget about it. It's, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got to go. Um, it's fascinating. Um, and yes. Uh, we, we will love, all fans will love the next nine days. Um, but this is not necessarily, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's good, but it's going to be, you, you, you got to watch you, you, you got to watch, you got to watch, you got to see how this is going to unfold the 153 that have come and gone. You can't do anything about, but you play those 153 to get to these nine and you're there now. So, um, it'll be tense. For, I, uh, I just I just hope they open up the series Tuesday with the Yankees even, even if they're one down, but just not two or three down. Like get to that series even, and then it'll feel like a playoff series. It'll literally sure, feel man. like a two out of three playoff series in the regular season. And uh that'll be again, that'll be agonizing and exhilarating all at the same time. Uh we love you. We thank you very much as always for your time. We won't bug you for a while, but well, <laughs> maybe maybe if they make the playoffs. <laughs> thanks, all right, Danny, thanks, boys. guys. Anytime. Good to see you. Dan Schulman, back after these. Well, our thanks to Dan Schulman for uh, joining us. We always enjoy the conversations. Yeah, we didn't get to talk very much about uh, Yankees Red Sox this weekend. And, and you know, the Jays have just got to, I mean, what do you hope for? You got to hope that the Red Sox win two of three or the no, Yankees win no, no, two no, of three? No, 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 no. You want Red Sox sweep? I want somebody to sweep, preferably the Red Sox. Okay. But somebody has to sweep yeah any combination no, I, of the I, I, other they, and the odds the odds of that happening are well that's not baseball right well you think the blue jays should have got got whacked on sunday against the uh the uh the tampa bays or ripped off <laughs> by crappy umpiring do you think they should have lost um in minnesota as soundly as they did it's baseball. Anything can happen. Yeah, uh, we're know, talking about a wish list. And my yeah. wish list is 
whatever happens between New York and Boston, somebody win all three, preferably yeah. Boston. And, well, you know, and you, I think you bring up a really good point with wish list. You know, uh, Boston played a National League team last week. Uh, and I'm looking at the standings. I'm looking at Boston playing outside of the division in September. And I'm thinking, that makes no sense to me, Bob. That's stupid. I mean, the, the, even if it's the Orioles or, you know, and it's, or it's Tampa, I mean, or somebody in this division, shouldn't this time of year be head-to-head -head all the time? The schedule maker should start with the last week of the season and work backwards. And in my opinion, every game at the end of the season should be home and home series within your division. So the Blue Jays would pay, play a series at Tampa and home to Tampa. Same with New York, same with Boston, same with Baltimore. So there you've got four series of, say, three games each times two. There's 24 games. So the last, September. 20, last September. 24 games should be the, 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 the end of September. Or yeah. the end of the season. Yeah. Don't you agree? I, I agree. I, oh, totally. Totally. Because, you know, you, you, you look at even this scenario, the Jays now, um, you know, and, and I know that Baltimore is not very good, and I know that Tampa is better than anybody else. But the fact that the Jays are playing outside the division, I, I just, I think it creates less discussion, less rivalry. And, and, the, and, then, and then you've got the Yankees and the Red Sox head-to-head -head I mean, you can't tell me Yankee fans and Red Sox fans aren't on the edge of their seat already. Well, of course they are. Series. Well, and here's the other factor, too, is you want close races if you're baseball. You yeah. want there to be tension in September. If, you've, if your last 24 games are within your division, how far back of a playoff spot do you have to be in order to not contend? A long way. Now, the odds are going to be really remote. But if you're playing the last 24 games within your division, yeah. if you can go, well, the Blue Jays went like 19 and four or something. Like if you can do that and you do it against your own division, you make up tons of ground. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I just think that if you're going to tell us, and now we're really fortunate that uh, really fortunate that, that the American league East where the Jays play have three really good teams uh, playing, you know, vying for the wild, vying for the wild card. So four really good teams in the division. Um, that's a positive. But you, you, I think I just think you want rivalries. This is a this is a league course, that's exactly driven with driven with regional rivalries and divisional rivalries. We should see more of it. We really should at a, at the key time of season. Free advice for Major League Baseball. We're full of it. <laughs> now there will be people who say, "Well, we're just full of it." But I'm talking about the advice that we offer. Uh, Shannon, you have, yourselves a, have a, yourself a swell weekend. And if the creek don't rise, we'll see you on Monday. No flooding uh, yet. And uh, thanks to all for watching or listening. Um, a brief pat on the back. Congratulations to us uh, as we <laughs> surpassed 2 million downloads of this uh, podcast. What? 2 million, pal. That's good. That's good. We're doing something right. Well, we're showing up. Our attendance record is impeccable. Uh, we'll see you Monday. Goodbye, everyone.